Welcome to the Let's Talk CFL Podcast. Roundtable discussion recorded live on Sunday and Wednesday nights. Visit Let's Talk CFL on Facebook for showtime. Brought to you by the Let's Talk Sports Groups on Facebook. Our partners, LostWorldOnSport.com. Stream live on BlogTalkRadio.com. Hey, good evening, sports fans, and welcome to Let's Talk CFL Podcast, episode number 374. My mic just sounded really funny for a second. Oh, well, hopefully it's working. Uh, what are we going to do? We're going to talk about football. I'm your host, Christopher Jones, and we got to wrap up a weekend of football. An unusual week, but weekend, but you know, hey, what the hell? The world's not normal. Just accept that. Except the thing that any given Sunday, as per the saying goes, anything can happen on a football field. And anything can happen in a Facebook group. There is some amazingly crazy people out there bordering on insanity. Okay? Like, I mean, not just just crazy, like a little crazy, but we're talking short bus crazy. Um, Yeah, we just have to deal with them and, and go with what to do. People posting things that are not CFL related people who are posting things about uh, ridiculous. Anyhow, I'm just not even going to go there. Do I have a rant? I don't have a rant. There's just nothing going on here. Montreal's doing weird things. Winnipeg's doing amazing things. Uh, the league still hasn't got Simone Lawrence's uh, uh, suspension review, uh, appeal, whatever else. And uh, Dunnigan's doing crazy things. Uh, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Not only that, we're going to talk about the four football games. Four? Five football games. Was there five football games? No, four football games. And uh, that's what we're going to do tonight. And, uh, yeah. So, two minutes into the show, and I'm going to open all the mics up and let everybody come in. I'm just, I'm really bagged. I'm tired. Uh, we, we're working, we're fencing on the ranch today, and uh, I'm just tired. So, all your mics are open. Charles, welcome to the show. Good evening. How are you? Tired. I'm tired, my friend. But I'm doing it good. Well, well after fencing all the way, I'm not surprised you're tired. Yeah, and uh, you know, last night uh, the neighbor neighbor down the road, he's about oh 15 kilometers away, just my close yeah. close neighbor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he had a barn dance last night, so we were oh. over there, and everything was doing really well, and. Uh, they uh they started trying to teach people how to square dance, and I, I'm, that's I'm, not a good thing. Yeah, it, it's kind of funny actually, but you know I have not square danced since grade nine when we did it in PE class. Okay, and that's mm-hmm. a long time ago for me. I'm close to sixty. I remembered it all. I remembered it all, and I'm going, oh my god, this is scary. I shouldn't know this. Why do I know this? I go just as long as nobody starts playing disco music because I don't want to start remembering that shit either. Okay. Nobody uh, wants to remember. I don't know if anyone wants to remember disco. Oh no! It's amazing how many people like still listen to ABBA. It's like really? No, no. Shut up. Believe don't go not, away. I don't don't... Mind ABBA. They were. Oh, the there better, you go. Uh, there you were, go. They were one of disco. the better groups of that era. 
Disco's our Disco duck and that other weirdo, some of the other weird crap you used to get during disco. Oh, God damn. Charles, you just lost what? a couple of man points with me. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's not, sorry, it's not going to happen. And, and uh, now Will's going to come on here and he's going to say that he loves ABBA. William, welcome Probably. to the show. Um, um, I listen to disco daily. Thank you very much. Um, was never a big ABBA fan, um, but you will guys will find this amusing. I had my we had our annual Stampede barbecue at work on Friday, and there's about forty or fifty people there. And my old boss, my old owner, discovered Bose Bluetooth speakers, so he bought a Bose Bluetooth speaker. And he was playing country music, and he's not really a techno guy or a tech guy. And halfway through, I wandered over and connected my phone to the speaker (laughs) and started playing disco. (laughs) And he went, he was going ballistic because he couldn't figure out... Why this thing wasn't playing his country, okay? And it was funny. And the six or seven people that were in on it, they were rolling on the ground. So that's my disco story, okay? So it was pretty funny. And I, nobody admitted to it because I'd pay for it next week. How does that sound? So, yeah. But I, I, I like all forms of music except for country music. I can't the, stand country. The music. two two the two worst forms of music, country and western. There you go. But that was before like techno shit and and hip hop and rap and all of those other things. So there may be some other things that are as bad if not worse than country and western and or western. They're not cuz I listen to all of that as well. Well, that's an opinion and it's so. it's, it's it's one, not what I'm valuing right now. Right now in Merritt, you know what's happened this weekend? They have something called Base Coast. I have no idea what that means and why, but my understanding is it's, it's up in the music festival grounds where they do the Merritt Mountain Music Festival, and it is techno dance music. So instead of being uh, drunk and stoned, they have ecstasy and crack and a bunch of other things. Acid, so yeah, they just—it's just different drugs. So that's cunt difference between country and techno here. Okay. Oh well. Okay. Cool. Check out, check out dark country. What the hell is dark country? Am I gonna hate this, Phil? Just like the dark web, only for country music. Is a American psychological mystery thriller film directed by Thomas Jane and his director. Why? Okay, never mind. Moving on, let's talk some football. Uh, who's got to come in next? Mark. Mark, you're there. I'm doing good. Um, if we're going to go on the music thing here, one good thing with. Will may have heard of the guy, uh, Corblund. Will, have you heard of him? 
Oh, yeah. No. No. He's no. a country western singer out of Alberta. And he's got the real, real Alberta country, as in he's like Ian Tyson. He also used to be in a hardcore punk band as the lead singer. So that was far more entertaining. Hey, did you guys see my buddy on, on the BC Lions game Thursday night at halftime playing uh, lead guitar for Tim Hicks? Yep. Yeah. Do, do you know who Jesse was or Jesse is? He was he was uh, the lead, uh, the creator the, of a band called State of Shock. Can't say I've heard of that. SOS. They, played, they did a song called Money, Honey. Oh, okay. I think I've heard that. Yeah, he wrote that song about his ex-wife. But yeah, he was my neighbor in Abbotsford. Guy, guy's guy's extremely cool. Anyhow, okay, let's uh, talk some football here now. Uh, we got everybody involved here. We've got everybody online. Uh, first game up. Oh God, no! Let's not talk about this. <laughs> Ed, Edmonton at BC. And the BC Lions came out at in their home, in their home stadium, and laid an egg. They laid an egg, two field goals. That's it. Seriously, two field goals. That's all you guys can muster. I I'm just like, I'm so embarrassed to be a BC Lions. I'm gonna get that paper bag from the Bombers, and start wearing it because they're not using it anymore. Ah. Oh. It was sad and terrible at the same time. I understand Mike Riley being frustrated. I really do. He came over here because it was supposed to be better. And he was promised it was going to be better. And it's not. It's worse than Edmonton was last year. And it's embarrassing for him when the Edmonton Eskimos kicked the shit out of him. And they did. Um, how many sacks was there? It was It was disgusting. It was just disgusting. Twelve in the two games against Edmonton. So seven in one game and five in another. I, I yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm I'm just not even going there. QB sacks five, five. <sighs> okay, I'm I'm not talking about this one. Um, Will, you go ahead. You probably thought it was funny, have, but you I you have, you picked have, Edmonton have, PC to win. No, no. I have nothing to say because I didn't see the game. Go ahead, Mark. You didn't see the game? Don't. I know you PVR everything. I had, Don't. I had no TV, remember? Oh, I right. PVR, I couldn't I thought you were going to go to Boston Pizza or the bar or something. and. Well, after after finding out the final score, I'm pretty happy I didn't, okay? And on top of that, you knew BC was going to lose because I picked them. I know. You stopped doing that. Did you go get your TV set? No. You're a pussy. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that to my wife. You're it's a pussy. Mistake. I have I have TV now, and this setup is fantastic because I don't even have to think about what channel things are on. I just ask my TV to go to the program, and it does it automatically. It's amazing. So Yeah, no. I have no response. Mark, football, BC, Edmonton. Oh, my God. It wasn't so much a football game as it was an ass-kicking. 
uh, sorry, but that's the easiest way to put it. Like you said about the sacks, it's another five. Never mind all the pressures. BC was sort of in the game in the first quarter. John White had a couple of nice runs. They got Burnham interested early. Deron was actually making an effort for a little while. It was close right up to kickoff. Yeah, no, that's a game coming up from Friday. Um, they just got steamrolled. It's not like Edmonton was bringing six, seven, eight guys. They were doing three no. rushes and getting sacks. Yeah, that offensive line needs an overhaul now. You know, you read on the Let's Talk BC Lions page, let's fire all of the coaches, blah, 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 blah. You can't. There's a salary cap, so just take that one and put it away. You can't fire the coaches. They need an airlift now. Uh, Trevor Harris just laid a masterpiece on the defensive backs. You take a five-yard, you you talk about the ultimate way to get pad your stats as a... uh, starting quarterback. You throw a five yard screen pass. He goes eighty two yeah. yards. Yeah. And he's not why touched. why is it why aren't we why are the B C Lions not calling these plays? Riley's getting no time in the pocket, so why are you going deep? Screen places, screen passes, slants, curls. Get the ball out of your hand in one second. Not two point six seconds, one second. Like, oh my God, everybody else is doing it? You know, BC changed their head coach. They changed their defensive coordinator. They changed this guy. They changed that guy. They brought in Riley. They still have Darius Jackson. So unless they have somebody in-house that could move into Jarius' spot, maybe that's why Travis is Lule's on the team now. In he's the not. Staff. I thought he's he was not. put onto the staff. He, he's, he's, in, he's in the marketing department. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, Probably he's, so he's that fun. he can collect a paycheck and doesn't go somewhere else, and that because the management, new management salary has got everybody in their positions, they can't just add him to the management staff, so they put him in the marketing department. Well, they could fire Jackson and put him in the management staff there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd no, celebrate he's that. He's got to do something, and you can't put it all in the defense in a 33-6 to loss. When your offense only gets two field goals in the CFL, yeah, no, it's, it's the offense's fault as much as anybody else's, if not more so. Uh, BC's defense was on the field all game, and Trevor Harris called a perfect game. Him and Moss were perfect with the game plan they did up, and the, it was virtually a mollywop. I turned it off with about. Well, ten minutes to go in the fourth quarter because it was just I couldn't watch it anymore. Oh. It just got boring. It was just down the field, down the field. Uh, C.J. Gable had another good game until he got rocked, but then they just put in the backup and away he went. So B.C. needs an offensive line in a hurry. That's their first worry. Uh, otherwise, it's. You can see the frustration on Riley. He looks pissed. I don't blame him. And you can't, can't blame, blame him. him. Nope. But they got to do something to shake the team up. I know it's only five games in, 
and we've seen this happen with BC before. But they're not just losing, and they had barely won against Toronto. They're not just losing. They're getting killed. Uh, yeah, you know, everybody's comparing this to 2011 when BC started 0-5 and, and was 1-6, and okay? No, you cannot. BC lost those games by two points, three points, by one point. By, by less than a touchdown, they lost yep. five games. This year, they're getting their ass fucking handed to them. Yep. And it starts not, on the offensive line. Not the line. same. No, it's, it starts on the offensive line. Yeah, they brought in Chung. But Chung is primarily a run blocker. He is not a pass blocker. He needs guys around him to help with the pass blocking. He's a fabulous run blocker. When he gets going straight ahead, you can see what he does. He opens up huge holes. But he's got nobody around him. They need to bring in help, and they need to do it in a hurry. They need to look at the free agency list and see if there's any veteran offensive lineman on there that they can use. I, you good know, show I, by Edmonton. I they disagree. Perfect game. I totally disagree with you that they do not go need to go look at the free agents list and see if there's any O linemen that they need to to hire because they there there is nobody in the league here that can help them like that. BC hasn't had an O line since um, Rob Murphy and Jason Jimenez. Okay, they need to go down into the states and they need to open up their wallet and they need to cheat and they need to hire some badass motherfucking O-linemen that are not going to take shit from anybody and buy their mother a house if you have to. Who cares about the salary cap? I know. I don't believe in cheating. I don't believe in going over the salary cap. I, but they got to do something. They need some big-ass Americans on that line. You can't do it with the putzes they've got. You can't. You can't do no. it. And, and there's nobody in the league here that's going to help that O-line the way that it's going to. They need to go down and grab some talent. And if it costs you the bank, it costs you the bank. I can't disagree. Shake my head. Charles, talk to me about your BC Lions. Because they're not mine this week. Uh, pass. Pass. Okay. Uh, no, uh, no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, just I can so accept that. Know, oh, God. I'm trying to forget that happened. Just so everybody knows, from my house to BC Play Stadium is almost a two hour drive. And I was at that game on Thursday night. Yes, I went all the way out the, there to watch that. I mean, uh, I sat there in bewilderment. I mean, I wasn't even necessarily upset with the game, and I almost became indifferent because it was so bad to sit there and watch that. Because even when most teams get blown out, they'll have at least a couple of drives where it looks like they're getting something going. There was none of that on Thursday. The offense could not move the ball, period. It was just, uh, I don't know how to explain it, but it was just bewildering. I, I don't remember the last time at home 
the Lions got so purely outclassed like they were on Thursday night. It's a miracle that Mike Wiley is even able to walk right now because he has been thrown to the wolves. And he is not getting – people are saying, oh, well, he's not getting the ball to Ron Carter. He's not getting the ball to Brian Burnham. There's a reason for that. He doesn't have time to get it because by the time he backs up and plants his feet, he's already got two guys standing there in front of him looking to track him. And there's only three rushing. I know. It's not like they're bringing the house. They're not. You've got three guys against five, and they're still getting through. And I'm sorry. Yeah, our offensive line is not good. Our offensive line has the talent to be a lot better than it's shown. And I don't understand why they're not. Because they've got Suk Chung. They've got uh, Foucault. They've got... um, Oh, Jesus. I'm trying to remember. Um, Boyko. I wish they, had they got Roy. Boyko. What was the last one you said? Roy is the center, isn't he? Roy. But most of these guys have had success in other spots. Why they're not having success now, I don't understand why. But it's just over and over. Every drive, they're getting pressure on Mike Riley. And they couldn't – They. Started out half decently running the ball in the first quarter, and then that went away because they stopped running the ball because, well, they got far behind and started to go back into pass mode. The special teams, um, the special teams uh, was non-existent there for the Lions. Other they were very special. Punting. Yeah, and other than improvement in punting by Josh Bartell, so at least that we can say with a positive and a decent pickup. And then the defense, I at halftime put a post on Facebook saying that I thought the defense of the Lions had played pretty well in the first half. And when you look at it, they had. They had given up 16 points, only one touchdown, and had only given up 125 yards. That's pretty decent output um, for one half. And then I think it was the second play of the half for Edmonton's offense where they go into non-tackle mode, trying to shoulder and arm tackle somebody, and then he just runs right past them for 75 yards or whatever the hell it was. And that basically took the what any wind left in the Lions' tail, that was gone after that. And it became uh, pretty much, um, um, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It became, um, I don't know, what we were expecting. It did... That was the end of the game at that point there. That was a backbreaker. Academic at that point. That's the word I'm looking for. It's pretty bad when you can't remember the word academic because it doesn't sound like you know what the word means. Um, but, yeah, it was a long, long night to sit there at BC Place. By the way, BC Place, some sound to you. It was freaking sweltering hot in there. I'm glad we spent all that money on a retractable roof just to have it closed on a Sunday, on a, on a sunny night. That was not exactly the funnest. The game was bad enough, and the heat made it even worse because they had the the roof closed, which everybody was complaining about because it was like sitting – it was a crap night all around. Um, Give it to Edmonton. They went in, and they basically laid the beating on us. Um, We did them a lot of favors, though, by pretty much pulling a no-show. It was really bad to watch. And to be perfectly honest, the 33-6, 
score, final score, actually flatters the Lions because it wasn't even that close of the game. I remember earlier in the day before that game happened, I was online. I can't remember what site it was on. I don't think it was on our site, but it was on some page. Someone put on that they said, oh, the Eskimos are going to win by 27 points. And I just shook my head during the day. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm sure they're going to really win by 27 points. 33 to 6 is a 27 point spread. That guy sure showed me. And yeah, okay, I've talked about it now. Now I'm going to go back to forgetting that it happened. It's a good plan. Okay, yeah. so uh, it was a pathetic game of football. We've all said this. Uh, Edmonton beat the BC Lions uh, 33 to 6. Okay, 33 to 6, 27 point spread. Mark, Charles picked BC to win. Will picked BC to win. CJ picked BC to win. We're losers. We're eliminated. But we got Mark and Phil. Mark's out by 27 point, 23 points. You picked 23 points more than BC should have got. Uh, Phil, um, he picked BC getting way too many points too, but he was closer with the Edmonton score. So, uh, 21 point spread. Phil gets the golden ticket. Okay, Phil, you won the BC game. Next up on the agenda. Oh, I love Phil uh, Charles's post. You know it's a ass kicking when in the first quarter you're already in garbage time. Toronto Argonauts, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. 27 nothing in the first quarter. Okay, I don't know what the hell happened in this game, but yeah. Okay. Actually, Toronto came back and made a bit of a game of it, but I don't think Winnipeg was actually trying. It was pretty pathetic on all grounds. Uh, I don't know which game was worse, the BC Edmonton one or the Toronto Winnipeg game, but I'm bored stupid on this. So let's, um, Mark, you start off with your bombers. Charles was a little off on when he said the game was over. Um, it was over from opening kickoff, literally. If you saw the body language on Whitehead's kick return, the body language of every all the Argonauts walking off the field and all the guys on the, the uh, sideline, their heads went straight down. You could see them just slump. It was like, uh-oh. And that's what the first quarter turned into. I so, did find it so what ha- I didn't get to watch the game. So what happened? Uh, opening kickoff, Whitehood takes it back for a touchdown? 104-yard kick return. 104-yard oh, kick return. My God. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, really. So it was close up to the opening kickoff. It was close to the opening kickoff. And that's really what is about as close as it. Yeah, you know, I give Toronto credit. Unlike BC, they didn't stop. They kept trying. Terrell Walker went off. Uh, what was his stats on the game? Let's see if I can find it. Yeah, Walker had 188 yards receiving. Well, that, that, he didn't turn the page on the game. He tried. It's not like 
they just laid down and died. In the first half, everything that could go right for Winnipeg went right. Um, the Bombers had to have the ball for, I think it was nine seconds, and they were up 14 nothing Because the as soon as um, they went out to punt, Charles Nelson runs it back like 80 yards and gets to the four-yard line. First plays a screen pass. It's now 14 nothing. It was over. Uh, Nichols had a great game, I thought. And I'm one of the ones that's criticized his long ball, too. But his long balls to Dembski and Adams on Friday were perfectly thrown. They didn't break stride, especially Dembski. He was going full tilt. He stuck his hands out, and the ball landed in his hands. I had to, one of the best throws I think I'd see Nichols throw. Harris was his usual self. Um, only twice his helmet came off this time, though. Two more times his helmet came off, and they're still not flagging it. Yeah. But he had not- 116 or 120 yards rushing himself. Like, it was just, it was a, they dominated. We expected it. I'm not reading a ton into this game because it was Toronto. Um, I'm a little concerned about a couple of our defensive backs, uh, Chandler Fenner. I think I'm seeing why BC let him go. Walker made him look pretty amateurish a few times. Uh, Walker is a great receiver, hence his $280,000 contract. But... Yeah, it was it was a beatdown. Um, like it was okay to watch. It, like Charles said, these kind of games you just lose interest. Yeah, in the second half, it was like, could this game just end, please? Nobody get injured. And yeah, the Bombers gave up a lot of yards in the fourth quarter, but they were also down to their third string middle linebacker, Derek Jones, who everybody about me on the podcast was going to say who. Um, and he did okay, but when you're down to your third-string linebacker, you're starting to bring in your backups, the score is going to start to change. But if it had been the starters all game, I think it would have been it would have been a 50. Or, like it was close enough to 50, but it could have been 60. I'm loving the quick strike offense that the Bombers are starting out. Nichols is now 10 touchdowns and one interception on the year. That's just insane. If he wants to be the game manager and ball control, and this is what we're going to get out of it, I'm all good for it. 209 yards. In about three quarters of play. He didn't play the full game. He got injured. Chris Grebler got 30 yards. Yeah, he he uh, got banged up on his knee a little bit, so they took him out for a couple of series. He came back in, and then he was out again after a while just because the, the game was over. So he really didn't even play the fourth quarter. So, yeah, the 209 yards and three quarters. What's the touchdown to interception ratio on his stat? Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. Charles, what do you got to percent? say about this game? I'm done with Mark. <laughs> well, remember I said that the score in the last game flattered the Lions. You can make the exact same argument uh, about this because, uh, quite frankly, 
the Argos were a non-factor in this game. I know they scored a couple of late touchdowns in garbage time, like I said, which began in the first quarter. Um, but the Bombers were the miles better than the Argos. This Argos team came out and looked like a scared puppy against a lion because the Bombers came out. I remember because I Don't only use saw the word part- lion there. Well, not that kind of lion, but uh, I only saw about the second half of this game because I was working late Friday night. Thank God, because I don't think I missed much. But I kept getting updates on my phone, and I looked at it as 14 nothing five minutes into the game. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, this game's uh, done and buried, and the Argos are a non-factor again. And sure enough, that's how it went. And uh, James Franklin wasn't the answer to Toronto, and it's quite clear to me that McLeod Bethel Thompson isn't the answer either. I know he put up a lot of yardage, but again, how much of that was against a bunch of distance? The players playing prevent defense, trying not to get hurt, and just sitting back. So I don't, so I don't go to that and see any kind of real, um, any kind of real numbers um, out of that. The Bombers look good, even though I don't think they played up to their potential. I even wondered after the first quarter. I even made the remark: Are they going to put up 80 points tonight? Because it looked like it was heading that way because every time the Bombers got the ball, they were putting up points. And I think they were already at like 28 or what was it? Was it 28 at the end of the first quarter? Or maybe it was 21 or 24 or something. But whatever it was, it was 21. When you times that by four, you got 84. Now, obviously, they just took the – I think they pretty much took the foot off the gas in the second half. They didn't need to go all out. Why bother when you've got a team that's not you know is not going to come back on you? So this uh, Argos team is a mess. I guess maybe if we're the Lions, we can have a rallying cry saying we're not the Argos. It's as good as we're going to get at this point. Um, yeah, is this Argo team going to win a game this year? And I'm asking that legitimately because I don't see a team they're going to beat. Maybe their best shot was last week against the Lions, and they still couldn't beat them. Uh, uh, this, it's a sad state of affairs in in Toronto right now. We, we're going to talk about Montreal later, and they're actually playing a lot better than Toronto. But uh, how long before we see a situation in Toronto like we saw this morning with Montreal? Because there's not there's nothing to get excited about. There really isn't because um, Bethel Thompson has done nothing since coming in. James Franklin was doing nothing when he went out, so. Uh, if I'm an Argos fan, I don't really have much to look forward to. No, I happen to agree there. Mark, do you want to come back in now that I've uh, yeah, I'll just calm shit down quickly. a little bit? Are you okay? You didn't oh, get your I'm nose fine. out of joint? Okay. I'm fine. Uh, I just want to quickly talk about the de- defense. Willie Jefferson, again, didn't have a huge stat game. Man, that guy gets on the quarterback's face a lot. Yeah. And he drops a lot back into coverage. And Jackson Jeffcoat is very quickly turning into one of the top defensive ends in the CFL. Some of the moves he puts on and his size getting around guys is just fun to watch. And he does it cleanly. Can we do Will now? Yes, you can. Thank you. Sorry, Will has nothing to say. 
didn't watch the game. He didn't didn't watch the game. Didn't have it PVR'd. Come on, Will. Didn't you do anything? You didn't uh, look at it online or anything. You had no internet either. Sorry. Okay. Next game up, uh, Montreal in Ottawa. Now, who saw this coming? Well, apparently a few people. Uh, let's start off with Will. Will, Montreal in Ottawa. Did you see this one? Yes, I did. I watched this game. Absolutely. Wow. Because my TV was fixed. And so, uh, hey, Montreal, Vernon Adams is, is, you know what? He's starting to get protection. He's got good receivers. He's got a running game. They're starting to look actually pretty good. Okay. Um, so, hey, you know, they, they were, I thought they looked like a real football team, to be honest with you. And when was the last time we said that about Montreal? And five years and ago. As I, as, as I said at the beginning of the season, they've got good players on their team. Their defense has some good talent. Their offense yeah. has some good talent. Um, I'm and and the best thing of all is they play in the East. Okay, so I I'm thinking three games against Toronto is not going to hurt them. No, absolutely not. Three games against Ottawa. You know what? It's you know in Ottawa. I think the uh, the shine has come off Ottawa a little bit. Um, people are starting to read into what they're doing, and uh, you know, I I don't think uh, I really don't think the problem is. Uh, oh my God! Come on, what's his name? The quarterback Donald Davis. Okay, yeah. yeah, I don't think that's the problem because I heard a bunch of idiots start talking about bringing in Jonathan Jennings for the next game, I don't think that's the solution. I think they just got to play out the year and see what happens. And they got to become a team, which they've got, they've got a lot of new faces on their offense. And, uh, Hey, I'm not counting Ottawa out either because Ottawa plays in the East as well. So they probably get to play Toronto at least two more times. So, you know, but yeah, I, I actually enjoyed that game. Um, it was competitive all the way. And, uh, hey, go Owls. Yeah, go Owls, and they did. Okay, uh, Charles, talk about Montreal and Ottawa. You did not see this one coming. Uh, I did not see this one coming. Uh, I don't think many people did. Um, quite frankly, Montreal has looked, i got to say, they've looked really, really good two games in a row. And I don't remember the last time I could possibly have made that statement. But if you look at um, the Montreal Alouettes, Now, when you look at the Montreal Alouettes, uh, they have just kind of turned it around since Vernon Adams came in. Now, I'm not going to give all the credit to him, but they certainly looked a lot better with him on the offense at quarterback 
than they did when Antonio Pipkin is in. And I got to say, I'm happy to see that because I was always a guy that was big on Vernon Adams um, when he first came in. I thought he was going to be a good guy, a good uh, quarterback, but he kind of uh, he just wasn't getting the job done. This is really the first time I can actually say he's really starting to look like a genuine CFL quarterback. Now, it's only been two games. We can't get over the top here. But you got to look at it for Montreal. Is Could they possibly win the East? I know it seems ridiculous to say because it has been two games. But uh, Toronto's a lost cause. Hamilton has somewhat faded. Now, I know they won this week, but they kind of got away with one this week. And Ottawa, they've kind of come back down to earth. So you got to look at it and say, hey, Montreal could sneak up the standings here if they keep playing like this. Again, it is two games, but they've looked very good in both of them. But before we go any farther, we've got to start seeing them play some of these Western teams like Winnipeg and Edmonton. Let's see if they can continue the momentum there. But for Montreal, um, you got to think things are looking. They finally got reason for optimism. I half wondered whether or not the players knew what was going to happen this morning, and that's what uh, gave them inspiration. Who knows? As for Ottawa, they have come down to earth, like I said. Dominic Davis looked pretty good in the first couple of games. Has looked not so good in the last few games. Their defense has not looked good in the last few games. And this is more the Toronto or the uh, Toronto Argonauts. This was more the Ottawa Red Blacks that I was expecting in the off season after they got raided in free agency. So they got to figure something out. Uh, do you bring Jonathan Jennings in? Uh, hey, what do you got to lose at this point? You don't want to all of a sudden be caught and then fall behind Montreal. So uh, we'll see uh, how it's going here, but at least some encouragement for Montreal and for Ottawa. They need to go back to the uh, uh, to the drawing board, I think. Okay. Mark. See if you can talk this one without trying to name any Winnipeg players or anything like that, okay? Uh, I'm pretty good with that. I'll uh, have to name one former Winnipeg player in a couple of minutes. Homer, Uh, what are you doing? Not at all. No, 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 no. I was okay with the way Dominic Davis played. He didn't play a great game by any means when you consider Ottawa only had three field goals at the half. And really, they only got one touchdown. But this is more the Dominic Davis I was expecting the, to have a little bit of trouble. And one thing we said at the beginning of the year was that Montreal was still going to have a damn good defense. Mwamba played a monster game again last night. He's not high up on tackles or anything like that. But on the goal line stand, it's Mwamba who is spying every single time. I, this is the second game in a row they've had a goal and stand. And Mwamba is spying everybody. They ended up getting a touchdown off of it because of an offside penalty, and you get three more tries. It's going to go in. Mwamba played a monster game. Um, and Loeffler was back to his big hits, which I was happy to see, and he didn't break when he made, he made one huge hit over the middle and he separated the guy from the ball. And he didn't break. 
So I was very happy to see that because I do like Loeffler, as you guys know. There's my comment about a former bomber. That's all. <laughs> um, no, Montreal's phone works for this. Again, stand back with 100 yards. Vernon Adams Jr. is showing that maybe he can be a successful quarterback in the CFL. He's got enough time in. Um, I think you're not going to see Pipkin coming back anytime soon, which is good for Montreal. They need some stability, especially with what happened this morning. I know we're talking about that later. And maybe Kahari Jones is a better coach than an offensive coordinator. I know he's doing both jobs right now, but maybe he's actually a better coach than he was an OC when he was with British Columbia. They had a really good offensive game plan, and they went at, over and over and over again, Ottawa's weaknesses. So it was good to see. I'm really enjoying seeing Montreal win. Uh, It's good for the fans that go to the games. That was a great crowd again. Like we said, like Charles said, this is more of the Ottawa that we were expecting. There's going to be some hiccups because there's so many players and you lost a whole bunch of stars. Uh, well, phone marks to Montreal, though. That's it. Charles! Montreal. I already oh. went on this one. Oh, you already went. Will already went. Everybody went here. Okay, so that's it. Let's wrap this on. Oh, did I do that? I didn't do the Toronto game. Toronto-Winnipeg game. Uh, everybody picked uh, Winnipeg to win, so that wasn't surprising. But Charles was the closest. He was only out by 17 points. Everybody else thought it was going to be a complete blowout, and it wasn't. It, it was a well, yeah, okay, never mind. It was a blowout. So you got you got the gold star for that one. The Montreal Ottawa game. Everybody but Will and Mark picked. Ottawa to win, so that's Charles, uh, Phil, and CJ. So it came down to Mark and Will, and Will was a 10-point spread on this one, and he gets the gold star. So there you go. Way to go, Will. Go, Alf. Uh The last game, there was a head-scratcher, but, you know, what the hell. Uh, Calgary going over to Tim Bitfield to play Hamilton. That never turns out well for anybody. Um, so be it. Charles, start off with this one. Well, it didn't go quite as I expected. Um, I, I, You know what? I honestly don't remember who I picked in this game. I think I picked Calgary, but I don't remember. Um, you picked Calgary yeah. 28-26. So a close yeah. game. You know, I wasn't horribly off on the score, but uh, I don't know. I mean, was it you picked the wrong team to I, win? That was yeah. That was the main problem. I didn't pick the right yeah. team. But um, this one kind of surprised me. I didn't think Hamilton had it in him to beat Calgary. Calgary just seemed to be playing well, even without Bowie by Mitchell. And they jumped out. They, it was a pretty even game there. And Calgary is a team we've seen in the past. They get stronger as the game got on, goes on. But it wasn't really that case in this. The, the case is that they were tied going into the fourth quarter. 
typically when Calgary is tied in the fourth quarter, going into the fourth quarter, they find that little extra, that little extra push that gets them over the hump. That didn't happen in this game. Hamilton's the one that uh, kind of got the little extra push there that got them uh, um, the victory. I was actually surprised. Uh, because I thought Calgary, with their experience, even though they've lost some players, they've still a lot of experience on that team. I thought they were going to be able to uh, pull through and um, pull out a victory, but um, it wasn't to be this time. It was actually uh, the win. No thanks, my Jeremiah Mazzoli, who I thought played terribly in this game, only had 192 yards. The difference was the special teams play and the return play. Um they had a, a touchdown on a kickoff, and they had a touchdown on a missed field goal. So that's uh, the big difference there. That gives you 14 points, and that's enough to uh, make up the difference. Um, you got Brandon Banks with the missed field goal return for the touchdown. Uh, William Likely with a 110-yard kickoff return. And when you can get two special team touchdowns, you're more than likely going to win a football game. Uh, Nick Arbuckle didn't play horribly in this game. 368 yards passing, but did not put uh, any in the end zone. They had two rushing touchdowns by Reggie Bagleton and Kadeem Carey. Calgary had no run offense in this. Even though they had the two rushing touchdowns, they had a grand total of 27 yards rushing. That ain't getting it done. I've made the comment with the Lions in the past week, when you don't have a running game, it makes it very difficult to win a football game. They had no running game to speak of in with the Stampeders. And they that ends up uh, caught that, and the special team touchdowns really ended up costing them. And uh, um, like I said, Mazzoli had a bit of an off game, Not did not play very well. His percentage was good, but his yardage was crap. Uh, but uh, the special teams really made up for it. So... They were able to do that, so uh, a good win for Hamilton, a surprising win for Hamilton, and it looks like Hamilton may have a new competitor in Montreal, so any win they can get uh, is beneficial to them. So good for them, and we'll see how Calgary bounces back there after this loss. Yeah. Okay. Um, Mark, did you do this one? No. This game was definitely the Brandon Banks show. Are you going to bring any Winnipeg Blue Bomber guys into this one, or are you okay on that one? Cause no, I'm okay on that one. You can't, I'm good. Yeah, okay. You can't be a homer like three games in a row. No, I know, I know. Uh, no, this really was Getting monotonous. the Brandon Banks show. Because there was really only two guys that showed up, one from either team. Bagleton went had a 119 yards receiving. Um, didn't have a no touchdowns. Brandon Banks just okay. 115 yard kick return for a touchdown, and I think he had 88 yards receiving on top of that. So a yards from scrimmage that's pretty decent for Hamilton. That's all they had. Uh, yeah, you go from Brandon Banks at. 86 yards receiving to Braylon Addison with 49 yards receiving. So it really was a one-man show. Masoli did enough to not hurt the team 
and get the win. And really, that's what matters. It's the first time, I think they said 16 games, that Hamilton has beaten Calgary in Hamilton. It's just bizarre. So, yeah, it's a big win for Hamilton to stay atop the East, create a little bit of separation now with Ottawa. So, but the game itself, Arbuckle was okay. He was more again what I expected. He's throwing the ball way too much, 40 times. It's not Levi Mitchell in there. They need a running game, like Charles said. When you're throwing the ball 40 times with a raw rookie running uh, quarterback, it doesn't always end good. And Hamilton was able to just do enough to stay ahead and get the touchdown at the end. Okay. I want I want to hear William on this. Willie. Willie, Calgary, Hamilton. Yes. This was uh this was a weird game in my mind. Um Calgary never gives up two special team touchdowns, ever. Okay? With Mark Killam coaching those guys, I, I don't know how that happened, but it did. Um, uh, you can't fault Arbuckle one tiny bit. He hit, oh, God, what's his name? Why can't I remember names anymore? Calgary's big receiver. God, help me here, guys. Do they have one? Yeah, number four. Who, Bagleton, you mean? No, number four. He's been around for a long time. He went into the NFL, and then he came back. Jesus. Eric Rodgers. Anyway, thank you. Arbuckle hit Eric Rodgers in the hands four times, and he dropped every single fucking ball, okay? Like, what is up with that, okay? It doesn't ever happen with Eric Rodgers, but it did this night. Um, Calgary's defense, I'm not worried about Calgary's defense anymore because they're playing pretty good. Cordero Law is playing well. Um, Corey Greenwood's playing well. And once again, I don't know if Dave Dickinson gets stupid ideas in his mind, but he didn't run the ball. He has to run the ball. It's just they do well when they run the ball. The pass run sets up the pass every time. So I, I crack this up to lots of new guys in the lineup. They're not getting familiar with each other. It's going to take some games for them to get over it. So here's my prediction, guys. You heard it here first, and I told you they'd go undefeated this year. That's not going to happen. They're going to be 14-4 and four at the end of the season. <laughs> okay. Willie's predictions. How many have come true? I don't know. And just so you don't mark mark they hadn't they hadn't lost in Hamilton since two thousand and eleven. Okay. Like wow. wow. <laughs> and yeah. Mazzoli Mazzoli has never beat them. So Yes he has. And he did it no, yesterday. That he set up until that game. Um okay. and as far as as far as how good Hamilton's offense is, they had, are you ready? 
they had 22 yards at halftime. 22 yards. And Calgary still lost? That's why I said it was a weird game. Special teams, baby. 14 points off of special teams. Calgary is very similar to the BC Lions. No, Calgary is not even close to as bad as the BC Lions are looking. Okay? I don't know. Not even close. They have an... They have something that resembles an offensive line. BC does not. Yeah, not sure what that is. Okay. I think we've all gone. Charles, did you do this one? Is Charles still here? Yeah, he's still here. Okay, he doesn't want to talk to us. Sorry, it looks better if I take my phone off of mute. Yes, I've gone on this one. Okay, final score was Hamilton 30, Calgary 23. And the loss goes to Charles, Will, and CJ. Mark and Phil both picked the Hamilton Tiger Cats to win, which I don't understand why you would do that, but hey, so be it. And Mark, with only an eight-point spread, comes in second because Phil was a five-point spread. And Phil gets the second golden ticket of the evening. So after I picked all five, four games right, except for the score. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're my hero. Fuck off. <laughs> so after five weeks, Will, your standings is five. Phil, five. Charles, four. Mark, three. How come you're down at the bottom, Mark, if you're so wonderful? And CJ, uh, I don't think I'm picking my games. Uh, somebody else is doing this. Steven must be changing the scores or something because I've only got one. How's that even remotely possible? Okay. I don't know. I might as well just give up and go home. Oh, I am at home. Okay, so that's the four games that we're, of this week we've just wrapped up, tied up, pummeled, done whatever else. They're really God, what was it? There was a couple of good games. Montreal, Ottawa, Calgary, Hamilton. They were close. They were decent games. Uh, unusual winners. But, hey, you know what? That's what football's about any given Sunday, or so to speak. Let's move on to uh, segment five of tonight's program is the Montreal Alouettes have fired Cavis Reed as their general manager despite a two-game winning streak. Is this justified, and does this, this signal the possibility of a new owner? Well, no. What this signifies is is that the owner of the team, which is now the league, when they catch the GM with his hand in the cookie jar, they have to fire him. Where if you're a privately owned company, like the Wetnalls, you don't have to fire them. You can keep them around. You can do anything you want with them. But the league has to act responsible. And Cavus Reed did a few things that don't look very good. It's been rumored that he had found some way to get around the salary cap. And he was implementing this. Well, the league can't allow that to happen, especially when you own the team. Can you imagine if the Montreal Alouettes got went over the salary cap and got fined by the league? The league would be paying the league. Where, where's the logic in that? Okay. No, it's wrong. Uh, 
what else did they say that he he did something else that was unethical? Uh, oh yeah, he was charging private plane trips to his uh, uh, charge card for the Montreal Alouettes, and that was that was wrong. He's not allowed to do that. And uh, then the other thing that came to light is that he was sixty two hundred dollars behind in his rent and had been evicted by the courts. Was Montreal not paying this guy? I don't understand. If you're getting paid to be a GM, don't you pay your rent? Uh, obviously not. And wow, how do you get $6,200 behind in rent? Most people get evicted for $800 behind in their rent. I guess he was living a lavish lifestyle. So that's what happened today. Who's making a drink? What is it? Malibu? Rum? Captain Morgan? Never mind. Well, there Soda there goes water. the mute button. There goes the mute button. Um, yeah, Cavus Reed is done. Nobody's surprised by this. Cavus Reed should have been fired last year or the year before. Nobody thinks that he should have even got the GM. Uh, but here's the one. Everybody thinks that this is the end of Cavus Reed in the CFL. Well, really? Okay. We thought that the end of Joe Mack in the CFL was uh, when he left the Bombers. We thought that the end of Corey Chamblin was in Saskatchewan when he left the Riders. We thought that uh, Brendan – what was Brendan? Brendan the, – the GM in Ryderville. Tamman? Tamman. Tamman. Yes, Brendan Tamman. Well, that was the end of him in the CFL, and obviously not. Uh, we always thought that uh, Eric Tillman was done in – the CFL and no, he's back. Um, so no, I don't think this is the end of Cavus Reed. In fact, Cavus Reed, I like the idea of Cavus Reed being the president of the Edmonton Eskimos. He loves that team. He loves the city. He's part of the organization. He's everything about that. Just keep him away from football operations. He's a clusterfuck. Okay. So, you know, let them go off and do the schmoozing with the big companies and the fans and kissing babies and buying Cowboys drinks. Well, that's Calgary. Never mind. Um, yeah, so that's the end of the, the Cavus Reed era in Montreal. Charles, you got something interesting to say about this. What is it? Why now and why not a year ago or a year and a half ago? I have no problem with them firing Cavus Reed. I've, I've said before that I thought that guy should have been fired long ago. But it's weird, weird timing considering the Alouettes have won back-to-back games. It's really strange that the, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they fire this guy. Now, the, as the day has gone along, more and more details about this have come out. And it turns out that Cavus Reed has been not a very good person. He's been using money... Um, team funds on personal expenses with no authorization, which is not normally a good thing. And if they catch you, they're going to get rid of you for doing that. So that's not really all that surprising. Uh, if that uh, these are true, he's, and, and if he's using uh, company funds on personal expenses, why didn't he use some to pay the rent bills? Um, if he's getting evicted from his house, I mean. This is not a good story right now, and uh, obviously, um, you know, the, he, um, we've only heard the side of the story, and I don't know how much of this 
stuff is actually confirmed, but this is certainly being reported here. But uh, forgetting all of that and forgetting the two-game win streak, well, the job he's done as the GM of the um, Argos has warranted uh, probably him being fired long before this. So I'm not surprised it happened. The timing was a little bit strange. But honestly, I'm not surprised that it happened. Even without all the so-called misuse of funds and so on like that, well, the performances teams have been doing the past couple of years certainly also warranted him being fired. So a little surprised at the timing, but certainly not at all surprised it happened. If, if you remember back in late February, I made a comment on this podcast that was, Montreal is very quietly building a football team through free agency. They were picking up some really good under-the-radar signings. There was no big flash and splash, but they were slowly building a competitive football team. Yeah, management is a complete turmoil. Mike Sherman, Davis Reed, Kahari Jones, absolutely just chaos which Kahari Jones actually looked like he's uh, being a decent head coach, which is surprising most people because he was terrible as an OC. Um, But Montreal is not that bad of a team on paper. If you really look it out, spread it out, and check position by position by position, they're a a respectable team. It's management that's no good. So, you know – you can't fire the players, which we know you can't, but, and, and it's usually the players that are at the fault, but I don't think this is the player's fault at this point in time. This is management doing a shitty job and they're paying the price for it. So they're slowly, slowly, slowly being eliminated, but I don't understand the hiring or the uh, promotion of Joe Mack to uh director of football operations and uh, whatever else he's got to do. But uh, Kahari Jones is so. responsible. Yeah, shut up. Uh, Kahari Jones is uh, responsible for player personnel. So he gets to pick the players that he wants to coach. Never been real fond of that scenario. But, you know, hey, what the hell? Why not? Mark, go ahead. Talk about the Montreal Alouettes. Kavis Reed being fired. Sorry, I had to say that because I didn't. I did mention that, what, a year and a half ago when they rehired him as a scout? That's a pretty big jump. So nice pay raise. Um, yeah, they, they should have fired Reed a year ago, if not longer. We knew that. Yeah, yeah. We've been, we've been saying it every time we talk about it, that he should have been fired. If the allegations are true, and right now it's just all... Speculation? And it is the CFL, so we may not ever know for sure. Why would you hire him? Why would another team hire Kavis Reed? Why would another team hire Kavis Reed? Well, why would another team hire Joe Mack? Why would another team hire uh, uh, Mike Benavides? Why would he hire Corey Chablin? They didn't from the company. Using the company's credit card plane trips and whatever else that's kind of stealing from the company well that depends how do you know that he wasn't authorized to do that through wetinols well it could be but right uh, it just seems weird 
But no, from a football standpoint, this is... But they don't own the team anymore. I understand that, but if that's the policy that was in place, why should Cavus Reed on his own say, oh, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing this anymore because my new owners might not like it. Maybe he should have gone and asked them, but why would he stop doing something that he's been doing authorized to do all along? I, I'm, yeah. I'm making an assumption here. I'm not, I'm, yeah. I don't know anything about it, but we don't know that. All we know is this, this came from Three Down Nation. This story came from Three Down Nation. You, you really got have it to question. No, they you got, got it a, off a tweet from a Montreal journalist. You got to question it, right? Yeah, but they got their news from a. Yeah, well, my in laws are French, too, so I don't believe them either. (laughs) (laughs) No, they had to get rid of him from a football standpoint. Yeah, they'd won the last two games, but we all know he's an idiot. And he was going to do something to make him bad again. It's just going to happen. Hopefully, the CFL just leaves them alone and lets them play football now. Just don't play football. Hopefully Joe Mack doesn't get his claws in there too deep when the new owner comes in, which did anybody hear the thing about Jonathan Hardaway, the agent, may be involved in this now. As an owner. Maybe a player agent and own a team. Maybe he won't be a player as agent anymore, and that could be good for the league. Yes. It'll be interesting. So there's still lots to be able to talk about on the off the field for the Alouette, so that's good. But yeah, no, that's really it comes down to they had to fire them. It just especially if all the allegations are true, you have kinda of no choice. Go ahead. Charles. Davis Reed. I already ran on this one, too. Oh, did you? Did you? Okay, well, yep. I know you want to talk about your favorite Al team. What, what's going on? Cavus yes. Reedy got fired. I, Are you going to bring him over to Calgary? I know, I, I know why he got fired. Oh, do you? Okay. Share with us. I do, and you, got, you guys haven't brought it up at all. Share with so us. They've won, two ga- we, they've won two games. Yes. Okay, they're losing the competition of being the biggest tire fire in the CFL, and they want to be number one. That's why they fired him, okay? And then they <laughs> replace him sort of halfway with Joe Mack. Oh, my God. Okay? Um, he was probably, I don't like to say things about people, but he might have been, obviously he was doing something he shouldn't have been done doing because if he didn't get fired before now, he must have done something really drastic. And the team, man, let's face it, the last two weeks they've looked good. So there can't be any other reason other than he he did something he wasn't supposed to do. So it's that simple. I, I wonder with the Weddall's uh, billions of dollars, if they even paid attention to the going-ons of the Montreal Alouettes when Davis Reed was in charge, and once the league took it over, they're probably trying to, you know, make this some kind of viable business. And 
They probably caught him doing things he wasn't supposed to do. How you can be behind by $1,600 on your rent is beyond me. So does that mean he's living in a $300 a month apartment and hasn't paid his bills for two years? Or is he living in a $5,000 a month apartment and hasn't paid his bill for a month and a half? Who knows? But, you know, there's not much you can say. I'm sure more will come out as time goes on. And if he was yeah. uh, taking money or or doing things with funds that he wasn't supposed to, is there going to be any charges against him? That'll be another interesting thing in the upcoming months. Yeah, we don't know. There won't be any charges come down because you got to really prove it. And like I said, he can he can probably come out and say that something else happened or it was a misunderstanding or there was something that was authorized and yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but you think he would have been able to explain that explanation before he got fired. So, you know, that made no sense explaining the explanation. He would have been able to justify why he did those things. And if he could, no, no, because, because managers do need, need jerk reactions. They just said, oh, this is wrong, boom, fire him. And that's why there's a grievance yeah. program process, right? Not in this position, right. but in the union positions, right? Because, like, it is same thing with the Simone Lawrence thing, right? Okay, uh, Ambrosi makes a knee-jerk reaction and, and suspends him for two games. Well, then there's a process to deal with that stupidity. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, we're going right there. No, we're not going there. Yeah, we can go there right now. It's been nearly a week and still no decision on the Simone Lawrence appeal. Why is this taking so long, and does this reflect poorly on the league's appeal process? Well, it, it affects the league process. It, it looks poorly on the process, but doesn't really look bad on the league. It, it's up to the arbitrator when this happens. It's, I mean, the league's hired an arbitrator, and the arbitrator can't do the job. Well, maybe they should have hired another one. Maybe they should have one on staff. Maybe they should do a lot of things. But at this point in time, this is the process that has to go through it, and that's the way it's happening. I don't have a problem with that. I don't know why people have got their knickers in a knot over when this this process or when this hearing is actually going to happen. It should have happened the day after the thing, but after the suspension, they should go right away into an, an arbitrational hearing. So that means the league would have to have an arbitrator on on retainer. Not hard to do. Get an old judge, retired judge. Give him a couple hundred bucks a month to be there, or a thousand, or whatever it's got to be. Uh, yeah, no, this is stupid and it's simple. Uh, does it reflect poorly on the league? Not this particular time, but the entire process overall is is flawed. My opinion on that. Um, Will, you're yeah, in the non-union I marketplace. I, I agree, but there is a process. Obviously, I know my ah, my my oldest stepson with his ex. They've gone to the uh, arbitrator twice, and both times they've waited like three weeks for his decisions. So I'm sure this process is no different, especially if it's an outside source. He's got to put all his stuff together and look at this objectively. 
and maybe that's what he's doing. But I would think that a professional football league would have an arbitrator on their bankroll all the time because these things these things are going to happen during the season. Let's face it. So, and at this top point in time, I'm so sick of all the Simone Lawrence crap. I just wish they'd get it over with and move on. But it would have been great on Saturday night not to have him in, him in the lineup when they were playing Calgary, but that didn't happen because he did play well against Calgary. So, go ahead. Charles. Simone Lawrence. I can't ever recall uh, an arbitration hearing happening, and then nearly a week later, we still don't know the outcome. Typically, you have an arbitration hearing, and then you get it, if not the same day, then the next day. I'm not sure why this is such a uh, a different uh, situation. This thing should have been taken care of long ago. I don't know why we're still sitting here on Sunday. He had his hearing last Tuesday, and we're still sitting here not knowing what's going to happen. So I think it's a little ridiculous looking. Um, this needs to be dealt with. It needs to be dealt with immediately. We need to know by tomorrow or the, by the next day because this has gone on way too long. This was a game in week one, which was now about a month ago. This should not. This is way, way too long for this to still be being dealt with. And... I don't know if they're waiting to see if maybe people will forget about it and then they're just going to end up finding them like they did with Jonathan Rose. Or I don't know what the situation is, but this looks bad. It uh, does not need to be taking this long. And it's a black eye for the league, I think. I know it's not it's the arbitrator making a decision, but you you got to have it done quicker than this. This is foolish to be taking this long. And, uh, you know, like last week, I know they said uh, Dave Dickinson, he didn't know whether he had to prepare for Simone Lawrence or not because he didn't know when the arbitrator is going down. Because you can't leave teams hanging in the balance like this. you got to get a decision done and do one way or the other. So, I don't know. I just think this looks bad. I just think this is kind of foolish. It's still going on. And I hope that we have a conclusion some sometime in the next few days and move on from this because this has taken way too long. Yep. Without question. Okay. So Will's gone. Charles has gone. Marky went. I'm not paying attention. No, I haven't gone yet. Oh, you, do you have something to say? Cause it's not uh, about the bombers. No, it's not about the bombers. Jeez. You got the bombers on the brain tonight. Me? Yeah, me, yeah. Anyway, um, it does look bad on the league from a public perception. Only because the public's stupid. Eh, whether they're smart, brilliant, stupid, whatever, doesn't matter. The public perception is that the league is screwing this up. It's not the league. It's the arbitrator doing whatever he needs to do. It has, like Charles said, it's taken way too long. And they must have had a arbitrator on retainer before. Because 
no decision's ever taken this long. It's never taken a week to or two weeks, whatever it was, to even get the hearing. This, if they don't have an arbitrator that they can just call up and say, "Hey, man, you busy? If you are okay, here's option B. Like you said, pay these guys a couple of grand just to have them around." The, it's not like Charles said. It's not fair to the teams that are game plan. Because Simone Lawrence's talent is enough that you have to game plan for him. And now all of a sudden, you've got somebody completely different. Maybe. You don't know. How do you game plan? I guess you game plan for Lawrence. You have to. And then see what happens. This should have been dealt with immediately. There's no reason that it's still going on. None whatsoever. You can't, you know, we say that the arbitrator is doing what he has to do. It can't take that long to look at this. It's kind of silly. And the public perception, you see it on the Facebook page and on other social media, the public perception is it's the CFL. Whether it's right or wrong, that's a perception. And this league doesn't need that kind of perception. I don't. I don't think he can throw it on Ambrosi's lap because I, we don't know about the arbitrator situation. If it was him, if it was before him, we don't know that. So I don't know if he can throw it in to Ambrosi. He is good at doing things like this. He tends to screw them up. But no, they've they've got to get this over and done with whether it's one game, two games, because we all know if it's not two games, a large segment of the CFL fans are going to lose their minds anyway. So unfortunately, Will, it's not going to go away for a while. That's it. Yeah. You know, it it is over. It's just move on. It doesn't matter anymore. I mean, it just doesn't matter. Just sweep it under the rug and, and, and make it go away. <sighs> Deep sigh. Okay, let's jump back. And the Winnipeg Blue Bombers took a shot at the Toronto Argonauts' attendance. Is this out of line for a team to go after another team's attendance struggles? The Blue Bombers' official team Twitter account put up the temperature in Toronto at 23 degrees and said, one degree for each fan in the stadium. When a team takes a shot at another team's financial problems, it's disgusting, it's despicable, it's uncalled for, and they should be taken to task for it. I know that some Bomber fans did do this, okay? Because it's one thing for us to take a shot at another team's attendance. I don't like it. I live in Vancouver. Our attendance sucks. We know this. It's not because us as fans don't go to the game. Charles, it takes Charles eight hours out of his day to go to a BC Lions football game, okay? Two hours in, two hours back out, three hours for the game, and an hour before and after as you get hanging out and do stuff, okay? That's eight hours out of his day to go see a football game. It's different when you're in small 
never mind. I won't say it because it was gonna, wasn't going to be good. But if you're in Winnipeg or Regina and you can walk across the street and you're at the football stadium and you can do that, that's different. You're not in the Fraser Valley where you have to drive for the, this long. I mean, this we can solve BC Lions attendance problems by moving the team out to the valley. Nobody in the city cares about the team, but the people in the valley do, and it's too far for them to go into the city. So, you know, fix the attendance problems. I'm sure you could fix the attendance problems by Toronto by moving them out to the suburbs. Get them out of the downtown core. Like, just don't do it. Like, move the teams out. The the, the inner cities are not where football games should be. I don't care how wonderful your your stadium is. BMO Field's a beautiful stadium. BC Place is a beautiful stadium. McGill, never mind. Um, just, yeah, it fix the attendance problems, move them out. But that's not what this discussion is about. This discussion is about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I don't know what to say. You know, they're scraping the bottom of the barrel with it. Is this the best that you can come up with as a jab against a football team? You could talk about their pathetic play we'd be fine with that. We'd agree with you. Okay. We'd agree with you, but no, they do. They don't do that. Okay. So, you know, there you go. Ah, bombers. What the fuck were you thinking? Uh, Mark, go ahead. Talk about your team because this was disgusting. Yeah, it was, you know, and I did email the bombers. Um, There was no need for it. And this isn't the first time they've gotten, and shit for doing stupid things. I don't. I think it's a new person this year, and it probably will be a new person again. Um, there was no need for it. Like you said, you can make fun of the team. It's pretty easy to do. Uh, I have always said I rather than make fun of the small crowds, I would rather support those crazies ask guys that go to the games, like a Russ Gordon, like the Argo Lifers, that go to the game, like Charles, spend their entire day, doing, you know, a good portion of their day going and watching a game. I would rather support them than talk about the attendance. The Bombers went where they, and I can't say the Bombers did it because it's Bomber staff, and it's social media staff, wherever you would lump them. Did, like did the Blue Bombers organization come public yeah. and say something? Did they? No. I didn't see anything. No, and I didn't I see an apology. I wouldn't expect it. So that means they condone it? No, they just deal with it in-house, and they say it's the Bombers. They don't say anything about anything. No, 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 no. They condone it. If they do not publicly come out and apologize to the Toronto Argonauts, then they've accepted this as, as as part of their organization. Whether they deal with it in-house or not, they did not deal with it with the uh, Toronto Argonauts. Unless they did without putting it out in public. We don't know. I'm not giving them an excuse by any means. It shouldn't have happened. It's ridiculous. There should be an apology. I am one of the ones that emailed them and said it was ridiculous. I haven't heard back, of course. But that's not to be too expected, considering it is Sunday. Um, no, it, it was stupid. And they've done it before, and they'll probably do it again. 
I, it, that's just totally and completely unacceptable. Charles, if the BC Lions did something so stupid, would you challenge them on it? Absolutely. I know I have. I, I have many I times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Zach Post devalued their own product. Because why are you pointing it out and showing this? It, it's embarrassing to put out a tweet like that. Why are you going after? We, people know that there's been issues with the attendance there uh, in the CFL, not just in Toronto, in other markets. And hey, I'd like to point out that Winnipeg's attendance this year is also down. And I pointed it out to them, too, because I sent them a private message. So what are you doing there? I mean, why are you – there's so many things with the Argos that you could go after that would be totally fine. This is not one of them. This is Bush League. Would you ever see an NFL team tweet about the attendance of a uh, another NFL team that struggles with attendance? No, you wouldn't see that. Because it's a Bush League thing to do. It's amateurish. It's stupid. It was a really dumb tweet. I just shook my head. I thought they'd be smart enough to delete it. And uh, even if they didn't do an apology, at least delete the damn thing because it's so stupid. Uh, Because I wrote a message to them, and I know I wasn't the only one. Uh, They said, oh, it's all in good-natured fun. That's not all in good-natured fun. That uh, Toronto team is struggling a lot at the gate. We know that. This is not something that's a secret. To pile on, to have another organization's Twitter feed pile on like that, it's crap to me. And that's BS. That's not, um, that's not good news as far as I'm concerned. I think that's, that's, like I said, it's amateur hour. They're trying to be, I don't know, comedians. Or I don't know. It was just a bad, bad thing to say. I don't know why. They had to go there when they have other things they could go after the Argos. Just uh, keep it on the field. Don't be making fun of other teams' financial situations. Why do you want to go do that? Uh, were people making fun of the lawsuits you guys had at uh, your stadium? Maybe they should have. Uh, there are some things that are fair game. This wasn't as far as I'm concerned. William. This was garbage. William, has the Calgary Stampeders ever done anything at such a faux pas? Would Calgary, you be upset? Are you kidding me? Would you are be you upset by me? this? Calgary. Absolutely, I'd be upset by this. It's okay to uh, say things about other teams, but don't don't say things about their attendance. Talk about the game. Talk about other things. Um, the person who was responsible for that social media thing, I'd fire them immediately. Okay? That's just me. Um, um, uh, I I don't know what to say about that. When every team in the league is suffering attendance-wise this year, you shouldn't bring something like that up. Toronto, Toronto, there's a thousand things you could make fun of them about, and attendance shouldn't be one of them. So, yeah, I don't have much more than that to say on it. It was just a faux pas. That person should be fired. People have been fired for less. And, of course, 
uh, Mike O'Shea won't comment on it until he sees the tape. <laughs> yeah, uh, I like that comment. Uh, don't know what to say. I, I when when a team has low attendance, and we talk about it. And, and this is a big subject for me on Let's Talk CFL Facebook page. We don't allow it talking about poor attendance because it there's you you cannot solve anything by talking about it. It's a very serious problem, and we all know it. Okay, it, it, you're not bringing something that oh, oh my God, BC Lions have a poor attendance. I had no idea. Okay, it's not news. We we're all very aware of it. Okay. But when you bring it up, you're actually talking about their financial situation because poor attendance would lead mean to less money. And you're talking about somebody else's money. Yeah, I don't talk about Will's money or Mark's money or Charles' money. I don't even talk about my own money because that's public private. Okay? We don't do that. You don't do that. You do not bring subjects like that up. Financials of somebody else, and especially a privately held company, is none of your goddamn business. So shut up. Uh, okay, moving on because I can't deal with that anymore. Uh, today marks the 25th anniversary of Matt Dunigan's 713 yards passing performance. Will we ever see another? quarterback perform like that again well I don't think 700 yards in one game is unattainable uh, it, it, it's you know we've got 500 yards in, in games all the time all he needed was two more passes for five yards and the guy break a tackle for a 100 yard run that's 200 yards just two little slant passes two little curls, two little screen passes, and then some yak yards. Does that make the quarterback absolutely amazing? I don't think Matt Dunnigan was an absolutely amazing quarterback, that he is the only one that's ever been able to to do this. So far, he is the only one that has done it. So, you know, I'm not going to belittle him in any way, shape, or form, but I don't think that this is – unique to the point where it can never happen yeah it's going to happen everything change everything happens every record gets broken and this is going to be one of them uh maybe wally's win record's never going to be broken because i think coaches are never going to last that long again but maybe they do who am I to say? It's going to take 20 years before somebody can break Wally's record. It could break Matt Dunnigan's record. Could break next weekend. Now I'm not jumping up and down. It's an amazing feat that he performed this 713 yards. Way to go, Matt Dunnigan. I'm a Matt Dunnigan fan. Always have been. Always will. I loved his play when he was in BC. Uh, I, I I heckled him when he was in Winnipeg. Uh, I heckled. Troy Westwood so bad in in Winnipeg that I was given a game ball by the BC Lions. Uh, anyhow, uh, that's another story. We're not going to do that tonight. 
Matt Dunnigan, 713 yards. Amazing. Charles. Your question, will it ever happen again? I don't know because since he's done it, no one's even been remotely close to him in 25 years. The last guy that got anywhere remotely near him was in 1994 when Anthony Calvillo was playing for, of all teams, the Las Vegas Posse, threw for 551 yards. That's still 170 yards, 172 yards away. I mean, to get to 713 yards, a quarterback has to throw for about 100 and oh – um, so let's see, that's 700 like – 180 yards a quarter. Uh, 180 yards a quarter. That's hard to do in this day and age. I mean, is it 100% impossible? No, but, I mean, first of all, a lot of times when you've got uh, a quarterback up near 500, 500 yards, they're blowing the team out and they take them out of the game. Um, but I just think that's a, a crazy amount. I mean, you look at the offense, even this past week with uh, Winnipeg jumping up to a 21 nothing lead, um, you'd think the quarterback's going to have huge yardage. Matt Nichols only threw for just over 200 yards the other night. So uh, I just see it hard to be uh, obtainable. I mean, if you look at the record, Weird. The old record was held by held by Sam Etcheberry, who held the who set it back on October sixteenth, nineteen fifty four. And before anyone wonders, yes, I'm looking this up online. Then it got broken by. Do you remember who wrote the the guy who broke it before Matt Dunnigan? Remember who it was? Anybody who had it before Matt Dunnigan? You just told nope. us it was Sam Etcheberry. No, Sam Evans, but someone broke his record before Matt Dunnigan with 601 yards in one game. Anyone remember? It might no. surprise people. I think it will. Marcus Crandall. No. It's a good guess, though. Okay, I'll tell you. It got broken on August 12, 1993 by Danny Barrett, who passed for 601 yards. Uh, when he was playing for the BC Lions against the Toronto Argonauts. I remember I was at that game, and he broke the record for him for 601 yards. Now, that record stood for less than a year. It stood for about 11 months when Matt Dunnigan broke it on July 14, 1994. Since then, we haven't had anyone approach 600, let alone 700. So while it pro- it might happen, I just don't see it happening for a long time, because that was this is a long-standing record, and we've had. But it could happen next week. Well, sure, it could happen next week, but we've had some great quarterbacks, high-passing quarterbacks throughout the the years, but no one's even approached 600 yards uh, since Danny Barrett did it in 1993. So. Will it happen? Maybe at one point, but I just I just see it as a hard task right now in this day and age. Okay. My my point here is if Danny Barrett can do it, anybody can do it. Right. So it's it's attainable. It's not like one of those records that it, it takes 20 years to create, like Wally's win record, right? Where, where yeah. you know, he had to beat Don Matthews 
And Don Matthews was yeah. around forever, right? Those are records that take enough, years and years and decades to, to, to build. Yep. Uh, this record could take 60 minutes. True. And I guess a quarterback could catch lightning in the bottle and just uh, all of a sudden uh, catch fire and set the record. So it's possible, but I, I who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, I'm going to open Will's mic back up. He was doing something weird. Uh, yeah, well, there were people yelling in the background. Yeah, there were. There was all sorts of noise, so I needed you. Sorry, I was watching. I was watching TV. I'm amazed by my new uh, remote control. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, will do, I, do I have to lecture you about what you do when you're on the podcast? Um, okay, Dad, go ahead. I'd like to hear your theory on what I should be doing while I'm on the podcast. Paying attention to the podcast. I I'm a multitasker. Have been my whole no, life. No, I no, mean, no, 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 no. We had other people that were multitasking. We had Mike on here, and he he would be snoring while while participating in the podcast. That wasn't allowed. Mike, and Mike, who? Mike, never mind. Mike. We had we had another female in here that, that decided that she would drink and podcast at the same time, and that's not allowed. <laughs> okay. okay, you know what? I I should just hang up right now because you've no. just compared me to to the worst. Yeah, I'm not even going to go down that road, buddy. Anyways, you want to talk about Matt Dunnigan? Let's talk about no, Matt Dunnigan. No, I want you to talk about Matt Dunnigan. I've already talked about okay, Matt I'll Dunnigan. Talk, I'll talk about Matt Dunnigan. Um, yeah, I think that record will be broken. I think that record will be broken easily, and I know nobody's done it yet. Sometimes these things take a while, but it's not that unsustainable. Okay. Um, if you have two really good, if you have two really good halves, <laughs> you know it's only what is it? What does that work out to? Two hundred yards, two hundred and twenty yards a quarter. That's no, one hundred and seventy-eight. If you were actually listening to when uh, I said that to Charles, okay. Oh, one hundred eighty okay. yards a quarter. Sorry. No, you weren't. One hundred and eighty yards a quarter. So you know what? You have three long balls in one quarter. You're you're three quarters of the way there. Yes. So or halfway there, anyways. And Matt Donegan claims he should have had something like 860 yards in that game if if a couple of balls had been caught or if a couple of balls hadn't got called back. So I mean, records are there to be broken. That one will stay for a while, I think. Who knows? Um, you know, Bo Levi might have done it last game if uh, he wasn't injured. Um, yeah, you mean Calgary might have won a game? I, no. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure since since the subject tonight is mostly bombers, I'm pretty sure Matt Nichols will never break that record. <laughs> I'm pretty positive of that. Okay, yeah. just saying. Anyways, yes, Mark, that was a jab at you. Live with it, buddy. Um, yeah, so, sure. Sure, Go okay. Ahead. You sure? You done? Just, yes, just checking. Done. Okay. Mark, you're up. It's your turn. Well, it's hard to throw a jab when I 100% agree that Matt Nichols will never break that record. 
maybe in two or three games. But no, no, he'll never. I'm not oh, I don't think that. he could do it in three games. Come on, give your hand <laughs> a shake. Um, do I think it'll be broken? Anything can happen. That's why records are made, right? They can, they get broken. It's a lot harder in today's game, though. If you're getting 700 yards passing, you're utterly destroying somebody yeah. on the field. Maybe. Will you be playing the entire game? Likely not. But there's a lot of quarterbacks that refuse to get taken out of the game, regardless of how well, how much they've got the game in hand. Bo Levi Mitchell was one of them. Mike Riley's another one. Okay. They play to the bitter end of a game, regardless of what kind of score it is. True, but they haven't even come close. Riley hasn't come close. Oh, I'm not, I'm not saying that they could. They, I'm just I'm, I'm giving you an example yeah. of, of yeah. the mentality of a certain type of quarterback. I just, like you said, it could be broken. This is one that's going to last a long time based on how the game has changed. There's a lot more ball running now from some teams. I, I'd laugh and, my ass off if it got broke next week. Yeah. Hey, I'd love to see it. But the funny part is the only people that saw that were in the stands. That game wasn't televised. For all the people listening that bitch about TSN, that game was not televised. So you have a guy go off. Nothing, except for, I think it was five, three, it was between, it was either three or five highlights of the game. That's it. There was no television cameras there. There was no national broadcaster there. It just wasn't televised like it used to be back in the day. So be happy with what you got, guys. TSN isn't perfect. Hello, Rod Black. But it's better than the alternative. And that goes with the blackout guys, too. No, you know, I just, I don't think it'll, it's going to be a long time before it's broken, just based on how the game has changed. There's really not guys that are going to stay in the game that long anymore. It just doesn't happen. And that was a run-up the score game, if I remember correctly. I think they were still throwing long bombs with, like, three minutes to go in the fourth quarter. So. Yeah, I don't remember. Okay. So that's going to happen. Oh, sorry. Everybody agrees that's not going to happen. Okay. So. What's going to happen next on our podcast? Because we are 14 minutes left in the show, and we're out of agenda. And we could talk about the uh, oil profits revenues in Alberta. No, we can't do that. It's political. This is a football show. So let's get off of that page, CJ, and go over here and talk. Let's talk CFL. What do we got? Don Carter being fine. Now, nah, that's nothing new. We talked about that in the last show. The Alouettes might be the best team in the West, but who says anything? That's the West, or sorry, in the East. We know that. Why are Bomber fans like, you, you know what's really freaking me out about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Who, who are a dominant team this year? 
Okay, no question about it. But their fans are getting really arrogant about it. It reminds me so much about the Swaggerville in 2011. We all know how well that turned out. Um, and it, it's just like, really, get off of it. You guys haven't won a Grey Cup in 28 years. Yeah, this might be a great year for it. But until it happens, calm the fuck down. Because Jared is getting out of control, Todd. Mogi's out of control. Mark Weddle's getting out of control. It's just ridiculous. You guys need to just calm down a little bit and stop patting yourself on the back. Stop planning the parade route. It hasn't happened yet. Calm down. Yeah, your team's 4-0, but that's 21 weeks, okay? And 4-0 is great, and you could lose the next 14. You could. Calm down. You could get 713 yards passing next week. Oh, no, you got Matt Nichols as a quarterback. That won't happen. Okay, so that's fine. Um, let Moving on a little further down. Dave Dickinson is disappointed with his team's performance against the Ticats. Yeah, I think. Okay. Do you see that? Remember we talked about this, the, the uh, alcohol in the stadiums. And I posed this big question here in the effort to attract more fans of the CFL. Would banning alcohol attract new or more fans? Banning, and then uh, this was a poll question that I posted. And I left uh, available to other people to post other answers because, or other parts of the question because I really didn't think that that would be, um, you know, what the, the hell, let's find out what they were going to have to say. So banning alcohol would have a negative effect. Attendance would drop. 300 people said that, okay? I would go regardless, but I would be okay with no alcohol because there's always someone who drinks too much and ruins it for others. That was only 70 people, okay? Alcohol and football are related, Christopher. The thought of banning it is blasphemy. This 35 people said that. Okay, first off, this isn't my question, okay? I, I, I just posted it. This came from somewhere else. Don't pick on me. I don't necessarily believe this shit. Okay, calm down. Like, get away, people. How do I actually get into the question? Uh, I'd go to the game if alcohol was banned. Okay, good. Only 10 people said that. I stay away from the games because I don't want to deal with drunks. Oh, that was five people said that. I drink. So, yeah, that would be the end of me going. Uh how many people said that? A couple from Edmonton. Uh, Four. Okay. Four? Okay. Can't see that. It just it, There's no extra number, so I guess it's only four people said that. Okay, so that's kind of interesting. It turned out that the, the majority of people out there, 300 people, uh, out of maybe 400, less than 500 people uh, responded to this, 300 of them said that the attendance would drop if there was no alcohol at the games. Do you believe that, Will? Do you think that there would be less people in McMahon Stadium if they did not serve alcohol? Uh, regretfully, yes, I do believe that. Okay. And that that just sums up people in general. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. You know, there there is a there is probably a 
five or six year period in my 20s where I didn't go to CFL games because I would rather I would have rather been at the bar drinking than going to a football game. Okay, so I, I've been on both sides, but and then you grew I've up. Never, ever, well, yes, that's exactly it. I, and then I grew up. Okay, I, I still don't understand the reasoning behind paying twelve dollars for a can of beer where you can get it for seventy five cents in your basement. You know what I mean? But hey. I'm not going to say people are stupid, but, hey, if the shoe fits, dance in it, okay? I, I, I just, I just, I, I, I'm in my 50s and even 20 years ago. I, I don't get why a lot of things are related to alcohol. I just can't figure that one out. But, hey, just the way I am. Okay. Charles. Do you think the attendance at BC Place Stadium would go down if they didn't serve beer? Yeah, I actually think it would, to be honest. Um, uh, people, a lot of people, you'll go there, you'll see the beer line for the people that think it's a good idea. Hey, Will, you said $12? Try 15 at BC Place. Um, Is it really? Yeah, I, I haven't bought a yet. beer there in so long, I don't know how much it was. I looked at it the other day, just out of curiosity, because we had this conversation. So I looked up, I'm like, because I don't remember the last time I bought a beer. I had someone buy one for me, but I don't remember the last time I bought myself a beer. And I just looked up to see how much. They, well, technically, they have a two sizes. The small is like $8, and the large is like 15 or something. Or it's like $10 and 15 but... Whatever, it's a ripoff. I mean, I can go buy a case of beer for $25 and get, yeah. uh, you know, 12 beers, or I could buy one for 15 How does that make any sense? Uh, but I do think there are a, a segment of people that if you couldn't buy beer, they would not go. Uh, just because there, there are people that just like to go out when they're out there, they want to sit and have a beer. So, um uh, I do think the attendance would go down. Um, I just think that you, you limit it. Uh, you don't want to bring up any more reasons for people not to go. Well, that would be a reason for some people. So I think it would go down. So that's why I think you got to keep keep selling it. I understand the argument for not selling it, but I think the the in this case the uh, cons outweigh the pros in this situation. I don't know if there's any point in asking Mark because, like, Winnipeg, IGF would be empty if they didn't have – I mean, they they have their own beer rum hut. They, they have a ticket. They, they have a, an admission ticket that includes a drink. It doesn't have to be alcohol. It could be a pop. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you know what my answer is going to be on this one. Um it wouldn't empty Winnipeg IGF, but it would certainly hurt when you consider you guys have seen the videos and the pictures of the crowds at the Rum Hut. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, it's always been this way. Always. I remember my dad talking when he went to Osborne Stadium, which is a l- little while ago. They didn't have alcohol, so everybody brought in brown bags. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to happen anyway. 
it's an easy way for teams to make profit. In the industry I work in, Christopher, you worked in the beer industry. Past tense. Yes, worked in the beer industry. I'm retired. Beer is 100% profit. Pretty About much. 300%. 300, in my hotel, it's 300% profit. Yeah. On each beer. There, there's um, no way beer that $15 sell? beers yeah. are 300% profit. No way. They sell it for $15. It probably cost them a dollar eighty to sell. It Cover doesn't cost them a dollar. does not cost them a dollar eighty a glass coming from oh, draft beer. It no. does not. No. We don't have draft. It's all canned. Well, we have draft. No, ours is yeah. all canned. Yeah. There is draft, but it's – sorry, there is draft, but it's um, eight bucks for that. So. Yeah. Okay. Which is still um, probably a huge market. Eight bucks for warm draft. Yeah, and it 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 just got. I got totally abused on this. Although, even though it had nothing to do with me, I just posted the question as an admin person. Yeah, there are some crazy people out there. Remember, half the people you meet during the day are below average. Some of them way below. Um, I, I love Rob Maver's comment here. I can confirm that no punter ever grew up wanting to be a punter. We all wanted True. to be the quarterback. I, I don't know if that was – is this true or not? Bob Cameron was in the Hall of Fame as a punter. He was a quarterback in college. Yeah. Yeah, he was a quarterback too. I don't think Paul McCallum ever was. But I think punters should be banned from being in the Hall of Fame. Sorry, this is my opinion. Punters or kickers in general? Kickers in general. Okay. Well, still going to get good aim. Okay, okay, okay. So, what are we going to do? Oh, my God, never mind. The show's over. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Okay, so we're, we're, we're coming back when we're coming back in uh, on Wednesday, which is two days away, and we are going to talk about what's going to happen in the CFL this upcoming weekend in the games. And uh, that's what's going to happen. So Wednesday night, it, it's it's happening. And uh, I don't know. This has been Let's Talk CFL Podcast, episode number 374. I've been your host, Christopher Jones. And uh, we got to talk football. And Phil's playing with us on, on the, uh, coming in and kicking things. He thinks that punters and kickers in general. He's, he's agreeing with Will. He is. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Phil, are you Somebody like... Nobody had to. No, nobody has to. Nobody has to agree with Will. 
but it happens. I don't know why. Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Kickers and punters aren't really football players. Uh, let's say goodnight real quick. I'm sorry, I'm dab- babbling down to 30 seconds. Charles, go ahead. Good night, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you Wednesday night. Mark, do it. Good night, everybody. Talk to you Wednesday, and BC sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that for you last week. Uh, Will, go ahead. Good night, everybody. Go, Al's, and man, the Bombers are perfect. <laughs> Take care. Cheers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.